Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And today I'm talking with Michelle, who is a busy mom of four and a military wife, who, after her third child, became so much busier that her health started suffering. She says she was getting out of breath just from climbing the stairs. She did start eating better, but then after a few years, she started experiencing autoimmune issues. And in this episode, Michelle tells how she turned her health around, including her gut health, with a holistic approach rather than using pharmaceutical solutions. We'll get to my chat with Michelle in just a minute. But first, I just wanted to tell you that if you're looking for some free resources about how to get rid of cravings, then I have plenty for you. First, download my five tips to get rid of cravings. And those five tips may not be what you think they are. So go to aftersugarclub.com and download your five tips today. And come check out the Life After Sugar Facebook page and subscribe to the Life After Sugar YouTube channel, as well as my Instagram account at mylifeaftersugar, which is where you'll get all kinds of inspiration so that you can see that it's perfectly possible to live a happy and active life, even if you don't eat sugar. You can also check out my TikTok account at netta underscore life after sugar. All right, so let's get to my chat with Michelle. All right, so today I'm with Michelle Reekman, who is a personal trainer and health coach. And lovely to see you, Michelle. Can you tell us a bit about your background with food and sugar, especially? Yeah, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm a mama four. So right now my kids are first grade, sixth, seventh, and a junior in high school. I'm also a military wife. Um, and as you said, I'm a personal trainer and health coach. And I have a podcast myself, Healthy Beyond 40. And really my journey started after having three kids and just really becoming very busy and not having the time to take care of myself. Well, thinking that I didn't have the time to take care of myself because it is a choice. And I think just with the diet culture, it gets really hard because we think things have to be complicated, but we can also start to go back to the basics. And I remember going up a flight of stairs and being out of breath. And I'm like 30 at this time, like, okay, this is not what I want my life to look like. But I was also like, I don't really have a lot of time. I'm trying to keep these little humans alive. They eat a lot. They make a lot of messes. And it's like going up a flight of stairs doesn't take long. I didn't need to exercise for very long. And then with my food and nutrition, it was really starting to just go back to the basics. How can I have more whole food, less processed food, you know, allow more of that good food to fill the plate and push out the stuff that's not as healthy. 
And so that started to get me in a better place. And then some years after that, I started with some autoimmune issues. So it runs very strongly in my mom's family. And I started having some joint swelling on my fingers and these little nodules went to the doctor. Um, all they could really find was my ANA, my autoimmune marker was positive. None of the other things for certain autoimmune diseases were positive. And they diagnosed me with some like undifferentiated connective tissue disease disorder. But I think it was really like they just wanted to give me a diagnosis because they felt like they had to. And I went to the rheumatologist, had all the tests, like was trying to ask, well, what, what can I do health wise? And they really didn't offer much. I'm like, what about like turmeric? Well, yeah, you could like try that, but they weren't really offering me anything. So then I started a healing journey on my own. So that involved working on my gut. Um, I worked with a chiropractor who was, did functional medicine. And I also cut out dairy and gluten. Because when you go to look at autoimmune diseases amongst different doctors who have books, when you're taking a holistic approach, the common thing you see is your gut. Your gut is usually off. And a lot of them recommend cutting out gluten and dairy because they can be so inflammatory and especially gluten can tend to cause gut issues too, which also can be feeding the autoimmune issues. So I did some different things really working on my health more holistically and have found healing. And it's sad because the doctors really didn't want to offer nothing besides, Hey, just come back every three months when it gets worse, we'll give you some drugs. It's like, I don't want to go down that route and everything was it wasn't that big for me yet. It wasn't that debilitating. And I didn't want it to get debilitating. But yeah. I knew, I mean, the food we eat, everything we put into our mouth, the emotions we feel or we're not dealing with, the way we move or don't move our body affects our health. So I started to take those steps to do that. So I think for, I feel like I'm losing track of time. I think it's well over two years. Um, I'm. It might even be three years. I've been gluten and dairy-free. And... I probably pretty much plan to stay that way. I debate about putting a little cheese back in like goat cheese or something. Um, but I have felt better. And even like just knowing if you think about gluten in America, anything with gluten pretty much like isn't that healthy anyways. And even dairy isn't necessarily bad, but a lot of dairy is so processed in America that it really isn't that good. And so even just, I'm not saying people have to cut out those things, but when you do, it really helps you to eat more healthy. Obviously you can go for a gluten-free bread or do that. And I do that very minimally because again, that's not healthy, but it allows you to bring more healthy things in. When you go out to eat, you really have to think like, wow, like almost everything on the menu has gluten or dairy in it. It's hard yeah. to find things you can, but it's hard. And it's just crazy. You know, our food is just ruled by that. And of course, sugar. Um, so for me, I guess I didn't mention that I pretty rarely eat sugar. Um, because sugar is also very inflammatory, and it can fuel autoimmune diseases, and so much other. Honestly, for me, like cutting out dairy was harder than sugar. Um, really? Yes, like I almost crave dairy more than sugar. But for me, I've also pretty much try to avoid sugar. And I also try not to do many like artificial sweeteners too, because I think when you start to adapt 
to sweet things, whether that's real sugar or not, your body starts to crave it more. Um, so really just allowing for the fruit or things like that to be your sweetness and your taste buds adapt, you know, to not add, if someone was eating oatmeal, like don't add sugar or like, if you're going to eat yogurt, like don't buy the sweetened kind. I mean, sugar is just packed into so many things that we need to bring more awareness to when we're eating something. Yeah, totally. Totally. And are you finding in, because you're in the USA, right? You're around the Arizona area. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find, because what you were saying is that, you know, it's, it's difficult to find foods that don't have gluten and dairy. And I would argue that yes, in North America, not everywhere in the world, but in North America, especially, and a lot in Europe now and Australia, it's like, it's almost like 90% of foods are not actual foods. Yeah, absolutely. It's like super hard. You can get, you know, sometimes it's more going towards salads. I mean, it's hard or certain bowls or things. Um, but yeah, it's hard to find food that's like healthy. And then, I mean, we're not even talking about like the other stuff they put in food. That's not healthy. The preservatives and other things like that. That's not healthy. I remember one time me and my husband went, it's called noodles and company. So it's different bowls and they have like gluten-free noodles or zoodles or different things like that. And I hadn't looked at the nutrition information and we went there a couple of times and I think it had some like type of peanut sauce and chicken and vegetables. And when I went to look it up and I should know this, it was like loaded with a massive amount of sugar. And it was like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't even know what it was, 40, 50 grams. I mean, it was huge because in a lot of those sauces, they're hiding sugar. So I'm like, okay, not doing that anymore. And then it's like, you're totally you're not even aware of it. You're not even aware of what you just ate and the massive amount of sugar in it. Yeah. And plus it's a savory dish, allegedly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you almost don't even notice it. Like I probably noticed it was a little sweet and I don't even eat sweet things that often. And you're eating this and not even realizing it because it has so much sugar or it has also salt and fat and other things that almost like hide the sugar a little bit. Yeah, yes. It's it really feels as a consumer like we have no choice. But on the other hand, what you know, the reframe that I learned to have as a consumer is to see food differently as I have all the choice in the world if I keep away from those processed foods. It did that happen to you as well? Yeah, and I mean it's really making that choice and knowing that you're gonna have to do things differently than the people around you Mm -hmm. and sort of being okay with that. And, you know, as I work with clients too, it's how can we get to this part of like nourishing our bodies? Because a lot of times we're eating to stuff emotions. Maybe we're eating for celebration, which I think we can do a little bit, but there's way too much celebration eating. And how can we actually nourish our bodies? Because people me. And then I see it with my clients, you start to become aware of what makes you feel better. Like, yeah, when I eat those cookies, I do not feel good afterwards. And how can you really use that? And sometimes there's emotional things you have to work through to get there. But how can you use that information and start to love yourself and love your body and want to fuel it and nourish it? Because food is fuel. 
our bodies were designed to eat and for that food to break down and give us fuel to move and to feel good and to have energy to do things. And that is not what we're using food for. You know, sugar is so addictive. I think there are studies that's more addictive than, you know, drugs, which is crazy. So when we're putting this substance into all of our food and we're unaware of it, we become very addictive and crave that. I mean, we can get out of that and really get to a spot where we're working on balancing our blood sugar, starting with a good breakfast. So we have that foundation throughout the day is we can start to feel better. And then we can also make different choices too, because when our blood sugar is all over the place, we're not going to make good choices. We're going to grab a quick carb or sugar because we want to bring our blood sugar back up. So really learning how to nourish our bodies and fuel our bodies and use food for what it's meant for. Yeah, totally, totally. It just requires of us, just, it requires of us not just to change our food, but to change how we see pretty much everything, I would say, and the relationship with food and the relationship with ourselves. Yeah, and I think that's huge because so many people in this diet culture, we have a really bad relationship with food. We think we have to eat within a certain calorie range and always track it. And then we think if we eat over that, or we eat something else that we need to burn it off, we need to work it off, or we just feel like crap about ourselves. And then we keep making those same bad cycles. So how can we actually have a good relationship with food where it's like, oh, this nourishes my body. I'm in tune with it. I've sort of been able to break that sugar craving where my brain can actually start to know what's good for me. Mm -hmm. And I can start to eat and fuel my body better. And getting out of that place where food controls you and controls your choices and your emotions and everything you do. And then you just have more control and confidence and it feels better. And it takes some time to get there to work through things. Yes, but you can. And then you have freedom. Totally, totally. Exactly. Mirrors my own message. (laughs) We're like soul twins. (laughs) Absolutely. And I want to come back to your autoimmune issues and um, gut health, which is, you know, my thing as well. And the fact that uh, I was wondering, actually, if anyone had ever talked to you about fermented dairy, uh, which has kind of no bearing on regular commercial dairy did anyone mention that any doctor or any nutritionist um no no doctor mentioned that um but I mean I have a red stuff and actually you know more when you're also buying the milk that hasn't been processed and the different bacterias haven't been killed killed is a different game um but sometimes that's like hard to find. Yeah. So I just haven't, um, yeah, I haven't taken that step to try anything yet. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. It's like, I sometimes, cause I, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, but, um, I do ferment lots of things at my house. And one of those things that I consume is milk kefir and milk kefir or some people yeah kefir or kefir whichever it's all the same or kefir I don't know I say kefir, kefir. I don't know if that's right yeah it's like the the pronunciation of it is less important than what good it does to your body <laughs> but I mean it's so easy it takes a total of 10 seconds to make or to prep and then the rest of the time is passive time waiting for it to ferment 
Yeah. And it's a lot of people who seem to have a problem with dairy. It disappears, this problem with fermented dairy like kefir or kefir. Yeah. Yeah. And I do some fermented foods. I'm still working on that. I'm not great about incorporating that. I take more of a probiotic when I'm not eating enough fermented foods. So do you buy your milk from like a farmer or something that hasn't been pasteurized? No, that's illegal in Canada. All raw milk okay. is illegal. Uh, plus, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere where it's seven months of winter. So there's not there's not many farmers around where I live. So basically, I use cream, not milk. Um, okay. And it's organic cream for the most part, 10% fat cream. And that's what I make my kefir with. And the fermentation process actually gives back the goodness to even commercial crappy cream but my cream at least has no additives okay yeah that's interesting that's good to know yeah I didn't know you couldn't do that in Canada yeah like here in America some people like small farms will get raw milk um I know different families who have done that um because my husband's military so we've sort of moved around a little bit um yes it's legal in some states and I think not in others, but it's certainly officially okay. illegal in Canada. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But even if I wanted raw milk, I couldn't get it because, as I say, there's no, there's nowhere near that I can get it where I live. Yeah. So, yeah. With, you know, the options are limited. But again, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because the whole fermentation process gives back the goodness to yeah. the cream. And, you know, I'm just surprised. Well, actually, I'm not that surprised (laughs) that no health professional ever really talks about fermentation. It's like an unknown subject. Yeah. I want to take a quick break to say that if this is your first time here, then welcome and thank you for listening to this podcast. And whether you're new or a regular and you haven't yet rated or reviewed this podcast, could I ask you to scroll down and tap on the stars to rate this podcast and also to write a short review to let me know how this podcast is helping you in your life after sugar. I love reading your reviews. And when you rate and review this podcast, Not only does it encourage me to continue making new episodes, but it also helps to share this podcast and have more people see it so that we can help more people feel better and lose weight with less sugar. So again, thank you for rating and reviewing this podcast and for spreading the word about sugar. Yeah, I mean, I most conventional doctors don't talk anything about nutrition. Um, and some of the functional medicine doctors will talk a little bit. Um, but it's really like working with a health coach or some type of more holistic nutritionist. Yeah. Um, or sometimes really I say, learning. you know, with an English teacher like me, <laughs> that's how you learn. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Don't count on the health professionals because they've not actually been really taught about it. No. Um, so I have my doctorate in physical therapy. So I had at least a whole semester class of nutrition, but my husband, he is a nurse practitioner and they haven't, he didn't have to take any formal class. And 
I'm pretty sure doctors do not have to either. Don't hold me to that. Or it's the very minimal, um, which is crazy because health should be preventative. We should be preventing all these diseases, which I mean, I think a lot of things say like 90, I don't know, a huge percent, 90% of chronic diseases are preventable through lifestyle. Yeah. And we're just missing that. Yes, yes. And do you feel that your autoimmune issues would have been reduced, you know, or reversed had you had that input about nutrition earlier? Um, yeah, I, and I almost think sometimes it's like, I mean, I was eating healthy, but not you know, still had dairy and wheat and a little bit of sugar in there, but it was eating fruits and vegetables, you know, so healthy compared to most. And I think sometimes you almost need a little like wake up call, like, Hey, even though you're doing like pretty good, you know, if you want to starve off disease from coming and taking your body, you have to really eat radically different and I think that's what it is it's radically different than everyone else because if I go to it is December as we're recording this if I go to a holiday party like most of the stuff I can't eat like if there's a veggie tray or fruit tray and I'm only cutting out two things dairy and gluten and there's not that much to eat so you have to be willing to do something radically different and develop some new habits. So I usually don't go places hungry Mm -hmm. because I don't know what there's going to be for me to eat, or I'm bringing something that I know I can eat. So that just takes a little thought. And it's almost like a little like grit and determination. Like this is what I'm doing. And I think that's something important too. Like, so for me, I am someone who doesn't eat gluten or dairy and very minimal sugar. And so when you identify with that, it gets a little bit easier to not do that. I'm a person who doesn't eat sugar, then that's just who you are. And that's what you do. So I think sometimes wrapping your mind and standing firm in that can really help to make those choices a little more black and white. Yeah, totally, totally. And it sort of get comfy with being different, radically or otherwise, from everybody else. And that, you know, sometimes I find that our natural personality, some of us like me, quite happy happy to be different and to shout about it from the rooftops on our podcast but other people you know it makes them incredibly uncomfortable to be you know outside the gang and understandably so yeah and I think sometimes that's also and I don't know what you've seen in your work just really tied to emotions and how we've grown up because we're using food for comfort we're using sugar for comfort And sometimes when we can start to break that down a little bit and then sort of determine that's my black and white, I eat this, I don't eat this, then you can go forward in a little more confidence because a lot of times people have trouble with, I eat a little bit of this. And so if you're stuck where that little bit turns into a lot more or something, sometimes you just need that black and white rule, especially if that's what makes you feel better. And if that is what nourishes your body, and if that's what's going to keep you healthier to really live longer and to live life as you're living too, to not be held back by not feeling great. Totally, totally. That's why I say for some of us, zero is freedom. Yeah. And it feels or it can sound like it's, you know, really extreme. 
but at the same time it that's what allows us that peace of mind of not having to think oh is this a lot is this a little should I have a little bit of it's just like just off your radar yeah yeah and is that what you experience as well yeah then so like I said earlier cheese is more addictive to me so that's I don't know if that's why I'm a little hesitant to do that again because you know when you're eating too much of it it's not good and especially you know just the way it's processed and stuff so for me it's easier to say I don't eat dairy than to worry about okay I can have a little bit of dairy but then that turns into a lot of dairy and you know, then if that could cause inflammation in my body or, you know, then you're going out and eating dairy at other places. That's not great. Um, yeah. And for me, I can't even really think the last time I ate sugar, but for me, I can do a little bit here and there if we go somewhere, because I don't feel like that has a grip on me mm-hmm. and I just really don't eat that much of it. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to sort of take that into account and just take how your body feels with it too totally totally and you have four children how are you how do you feel about being a role model for them yes and so they have sugar they have bread Uh, my one son doesn't do well with dairy ever since he was born Um, so he doesn't eat dairy but and it goes back to that idea with them that we try to eat you know, if we're making dinner, it's dairy and gluten-free, you know, it it doesn't have sugar in it. So we're making stuff that is good. And then if they have sugar or something else outside of that, you know, we're not making a fuss about it, but really teaching them that we need to fuel our bodies. Like disease happens, diabetes happens, heart disease happens when we're eating a lot of sugar and not taking care of ourselves. And it is super hard. Like these kids are given like reward treats at school all the time because candy is cheap. And again, it's the holiday season. They went to like youth group and they had so much sugar and they bring it back because there's prizes. And it absolutely drives me nuts because it's hard because you don't want to say they can't have it at all. And then but you don't want them to have a lot of it. Like with Halloween candy, we just sort of, you know, they might have a piece, you know, for a piece a day for a week. And then we just sort of, it disappears, mm-hmm. make it disappear, <laughs> you know, because we don't want that around all of our time. So still trying to teach them, but not having like, you can't have it at all. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's a fine balance and tricky to watch, but I think just really teaching them what our body needs. That disease actually happens, even though you're so far from it. And even like when you think of diabetes, it takes years, decades, decades to develop. So you're damaging your body. You're damaging your pancreas and the different cells and hormones for decades and decades before you get to diabetes. And you're not even aware of it. Yeah. So we really have to think that. You have to think of that. And the tests themselves that they use, the values you know, and until it's actually high enough to be pre-diabetic or diabetic, there's no problem officially. That's what we're yes. Yeah. And we're not even, and they're testing blood glucose. What happens first is you're going to see insulin resistance and problems with insulin 
And we're not even testing that. Mm -hmm. I do to understand that. And it's interesting as I talk to people and just ask them if they know what insulin resistance is, a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And even people who have PCOS, which insulin resistance is very common in it, their doctor has them on all different drugs. They've been working with their doctor for years and never heard of insulin resistance. And because it's it's not being tested, like, wow, like what if that was tested and people got alarm warnings earlier and could really change what they're doing? Yeah, what if, right? There'd be no drugs sold. That's yes. what if. <laughs> Which is probably why it's not. Because <laughs> it could solve a problem. <laughs> what do I know? I'm an English teacher. <laughs> but the question merits uh, some reflection, I reckon. Yeah. 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 Um, and so now, how do you feel now after two years being gluten-free, dairy-free from like a before and after, how do you feel now? Yeah. So my symptoms, my joint swelling and all that started, it's gone away. Um, and also just feel better too. And also more, I want to say confidence because now I know that almost all of what I'm eating is so much healthier. So it's not just cutting that out. It's also really increasing your nutrition that you're eating too. So it's just that simple idea of more whole foods, more nutrition based things. So berries, you know, the non-starchy veggies. Now I know that I'm getting a lot better and I know that my gut is better too. And that's something I have to continually work on because I'm one who sort of holds stress in my gut. So Mm -hmm. it can go off track a little bit easier. So that is something, obviously knowing that um, emotional connection with it and working on that too, but also make sure that I'm continually having some fermented foods, probiotics. I also added some prebiotic fibers too, to feed the good bacteria and continuing to work on that because health is a journey. Like you can't just follow something for three months, feel better and say, I'm good. I don't need to do that. You know, our health is a journey. So we do want to pick things that we can stick to. We want to keep it sustainable. We want to make this a lifetime journey and we can do that step-by-step to really get there so that we can feel better. So I always like, even with my autoimmune disease, there's like an autoimmune diet and it's very strict. And I'm like, Oh, I just like, don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm going to be able to eat enough doing this. So what I did was I'm like, well, what's, and I do this with my clients. What's the least restrictive thing that I can do. And for me, that was cutting out gluten and dairy. And I, for a while I cut out sugar completely. Um, that was the least restrictive thing I can do instead of like eliminating all these things that wanted me to. And I stuck with that and I was working on my gut health and, you know, making sure you're working on your stress and those different things that can affect it. And then I started to feel better. So I think sometimes that's a good approach because you want to be able to stick with something. What's the least restrictive thing I can do to start with? And then I can add on from there. Sounds brilliant. Yeah, that's a great approach, really. And again, I think it also suits certain types of personalities that may be more moderators where it's a step-by-step approach, 
Whereas some of us are more abstainers, including myself, where it's like, if I do the step-by-step, I'll just step backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really does depend on the individual. That's great that we can recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Do you have one piece of advice for listeners of the podcast, Michelle? Yeah. And I think what you brought up, that personality type is important and knowing what you're going to do. So whatever idea you're hearing, is that something that you think you can really stick with? And also, I think it's thinking like, what do I really need? Like, what does my body really need? Because I think a lot of times, and as I talk to people, and we start talking about their health, a lot of times people know that first thing they need to do. And it's almost like they need a little encouragement, or they don't really like believe themselves. But a lot of times you really have an idea of what you need to do. You might need some support in that, but use that wisdom if you actually know what you need to do and sort of focus in on that one area. So if that is like cutting out sugar completely and you sort of know that because you know you can't have a little of it because a little bit turns into some more and some more, then cut it out completely and be okay with that and work on developing that identities. I'm just someone who doesn't eat sugar and I feel so much better. Do I need, if you have a problem saying that to your friends, you need a practice and a mirror saying that like, yeah, I don't eat sugar. I'm okay with it. You know, I used to really like it and I still, but I just can't have it, you know, like practice whatever words it is to say to people so that you feel more comfortable. You don't have to put other people down for their choices, but to really stand in your two feet, what your body needs, because no one else can really tell you you know, your body's going to function optimally doing certain things. And you need to step into that. Wonderful advice. Thank you, Michelle. That's so inspiring. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, isn't it great when you find someone who you totally resonate with, how they see themselves, how they see their food, and how they see life in general. And maybe you resonate with how Michelle used her own personal power to educate herself and to look after her own health. That doesn't mean rejecting doctors and health professionals, not at all. But it does mean that we, as patients, do have the power to advocate for our own health and to find what's healthy for us. So if you're ready and committed to make the decisions that are right for you, but you feel that you need some guidance and support and accountability and a guide and a community that gets you, then there are two ways that we can work together. First, in the After Sugar Club, which is designed to give you support and accountability through our live check-in calls at a more affordable price. The After Sugar Club is always open for you. Check out the After Sugar Club private membership when you go to aftersugarclub.com, click on After Sugar Club in the top menu. And for more step-by-step guidance and customised support to help you get rid of cravings so that you can slim down and finally feel in control around food, There's my 90-day program, Freedom from Cravings Formula. 
which opens a few times a year. To get more info about the program and when it next opens, go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the big green button to schedule a clarity call with me so that we can talk together to see if the Freedom from Cravings Formula program is a good fit for you. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.